This week's parsha is Parsha's Chayisara. At the beginning of the parsha, the parsha says, "Vayu Chayisara." It was the life of Sarah. Meya Shana Esrim Shana Sheva Shanim. The fact that the pasuk keeps on reiterating the word Shana after each amount of years, a hundred and twenty and seven. Rashi immediately points out the Medrash that when Sari Mena was 100 years old, she was as free of sin as she was when she was 20 years old, which means that until 20, a person is not a Basayin And then when she was 20 years old, she was as beautiful as she was when she was 7 years old. And what we see from this Pasuk is that at the death of Sarah we were recounting the greatness of Sarah and it seems that part of what made Sarah great was her beauty. If the Torah is being Meshabeach that at 20 she was as beautiful as she was when she was 7 clearly this is something that is a Shabach for Sarah Imenu that she had extreme beauty. We find this Indian that Sarah was very beautiful already in Parshas Nayach. When we're introduced to a personality by the name of Yischa, and Rashi says that Yischa was Sarah, and the reason why she was called Yischa is because Shachkol Sachin Biyafya. Everybody used to gaze at her beauty. That's how pretty Sarah Imena was. The, the Pasuk says in Parshas Lech Lecha that Avram Avinu says, Ata yadati, hinina yadati ki isha yifas mareot. Now when he was going down to Mitzrayim because of the famine and he was afraid that the Mitzrayim would be attracted to Sari Menu, he came up with a plot. He was going to call her his sister and that way she would not be putting him in jeopardy because... She was a beautiful woman. And so we find from all of these Makairis that Sari Menu clearly had Yaifi. And in fact, the Gemara says in Mesechus Megillah and Daftasavim and Aleph that there were four Nashim Yefefiyais Bailam. There were four of the most beautiful women ever, and Sari Menu is on the top of the list. There was Sarah and there was Rochav, and there was Abigail, and then there was either Vashti or Esther, the Gemara says, based on whether you hold that Esther was really Yerachrekes uh, Haisar, whether she was naturally beautiful. But Chazal say that Sari Imenu was one of the four most beautiful women ever. Tysus there, by the way, interestingly points out that there's a Gemara in Baba Basra that says that Chava was much more beautiful than Sarah. In fact, the Gemara says that Chava, Sarah bifnei Chava, is kikayit bifnei Adam. That if you would put Sarah next to Chava, that would be like putting a, a, a kayf, an eighth, in front of a human being. That's how much more beautiful Chava was than even Sarah Imenu. And Tysus says, so why didn't Chava make the list? She didn't make the cut says Taisus because we're talking here about people that were born from a mother. 
Chava Imenu was the Tzir Kapov Shah Hashem. Akadishpoku created Chava by himself. She was not biologically created, so it's not a Chiddush that she was so beautiful. The Chiddush is when you come from another human being and you're still that beautiful, and the Marshal points out that Yephatheus means that these were supreme, supremely beautiful women, meaning there's full of references throughout Tanakh about people about Yephas Tayyar, Asmara. But this is like an extreme. So Sari Meno, we see from all of these Mara Mekaymas, Sari Meno was Meshubach in her Yaifi. And it's Mashma. If the Torah is spending precious Diyai telling us about the beauty of Sari Meno, and if Chazal tell us about this, and if at the beginning of the parasha when we're speaking about the life time achievements of Sari Meno, we make reference through this word Shana Shana to the fact that Sari Meno was as beautiful at 20 as she was when she was 7. So clearly this is something that's a Mila in a human being. Tav Yaifi. Yaifi is something. If we're praising people in the Torah for Yaifi, that means that having beauty, being a handsome person, being an attractive person, clearly seems to be something of value and of import. And the question that should be coming up in our minds is that tonight in Eishas Chayel, when we sing Eishas Chayel, the end of Eishas Chayel is Sheker Achein Vehevel Yaifi. Isha Yiras Hashem Itisalo. Sheker Achein. That Chain, a person who has charisma and charm, you should know that that's a lie, says Shleimah Melech in Sefer Mishli. Eshes Chayel is the last parak in Sefer Mishli. <coughs> it's a lie. It's Sheker. And Yaifi, beauty, Shleimah Melech says, is Hevel. It's all nothingness. If a woman has Yerushalayim, if she's a God-fearing individual, she should be praised. But just because a girl is pretty and a girl has a great personality and she has, a, she has some dynamism to her, that's not a reason. That's false. That's Sheker. It's bluff. It's not something that we should even dwell on. We shouldn't be focused on. We shouldn't even express it in any way as a myliner. All it is is Sheker, all it is is Hevel. There's one remaining quality that is of a Mila to a Jewish woman, to an Eshes Chayel, and that's if she has Yerushalayim. That's the sole criteria, the sole measure of what makes a woman great is the basis of how much Yerushalayim she possesses. So how are we saying in all these Tzukim about Sari Meno and Chazal Rabbi Mushabeach, that she was the most beautiful woman ever. What? Shleim HaMelech says that's not true. Shleim HaMelech teaches us in Sefer Mishlei that it's all bluff. That Chain and Yaifi are nothing. And that the only thing that counts is Yerushalayim. And I'll make the question even sharper. Because if you look in the Medrash Tanchuma on this week's parsha, it says that even though Eishas Chayel is found in Sefer Mishlei, and so everybody is naturally assuming that it was written by Shlema Melech, 
in the Medrash Tanfuma, it says, in the context of Avram Avinu being Maspit Sarah, and we'd always, you know, wonder, like, what was that Hespit? What was, what was Avram Avinu's Hespit? We don't really know. Comes along the Medrash Tanfuma and says that we do know. And that the Hespit that Avram Avinu gave for Sarah was none other than Eshes Chayel. This beautiful poem called Eshes Chayel is actually the words that Avram Avinu recited over his dead wife by her husband. And so, and the Medrash, in fact, it's very interesting, Medrash on Chuma, if you have a chance, you should take a look at it. There's a lot of <coughs> references in the Medrash how all, or many of the Psukim that are in Eshes Chayel, how they were Shayach to Sari Menu. So the question begs of Avram Avinu himself. Said Eshes Chayel about his wife, Sarah, that was her husband. That was his hesped for her. And he ends off, the crescendo of this hesped was, Sheker Achein, Behevel HaYayfi, Isha Yeros Hashem, he says, so what are we being Meshabeach at the beginning of the parasha that sorry man was so beautiful? Is it good that she was beautiful or is it Hevel that she was beautiful? If it's Hevel that she's beautiful, so why make mention of it? And if it's a good thing, then why is Avram Avinu being masperer than Sheker Achein Bevla Yefi? The Pashtas, you could say that what Avram Avinu was saying was that Sari Meno was tremendously beautiful. And for whatever it's worth, we know that society does put a value in beauty. And whatever Sari Menu was, partially was defined by the fact that she was beautiful. But Avram Avinu was saying at her husband that it's true that when she was 20, she was as beautiful as seven. And she was a very, very, very attractive woman. But now she's no longer alive. And when a person dies, it's all worthless. In life, maybe it has some value. If a person is pretty, if a person is handsome, clearly that puts them in a certain advantage. There's all types of studies how, you know, if two people are applying for the same job, generally speaking, the boss will give the job to the more attractive candidates. And so there is a myla in life of being handsome, of being, of having a yaiti, of having a chain. But when a person dies, the measure of a man and the measure of a woman has really very little relevance when it comes to beauty. Beauty is something that after you die, nobody really cares. Does anyone care if a person that's you go to a cemetery, you know, and you and somebody says, oh, you see that cover? That, that person was very, very good looking. Who cares? It's, it's a bluff. There's only one thing that matters once a person dies, and that is the Yerushalayim that a person has. The only thing that people write on a Matseva. Last night I went to the Agoda Convention in, um, in New Jersey. And Rabbi Franz spoke, and he was speaking about uh, different people's matzevas, Rabbi Kiveger's matzeva, and basically he was saying that, you know, 
what you do in life, you should always be thinking about what it's going to say on your matzeva. What do you want it to say on your matzeva? You have to live a life thinking about your matzeva. And he said, and it got a, you know, it got a very big laugh at the, at the convention. He said that it might be morbid what I'm about to say. He says, whenever I see somebody doing like something magnificent with their life, I say, that's matzeva material. A person has to think about his matzeva. One thing that it doesn't say on a person's matzeva, rest assured, is how good-looking the person was. As important as that might have been to that person in life, but once a person dies, it's irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. And so it's true that in her life, there are many episodes where we find that her beauty played an integral role in the story, in the narrative. And it was something that defined sorrow to a certain degree. But Avraham Avinu was giving a hesped to Saif Chayah, and he says, Sheker Achein Yefi, look, even sorrow, who is the most beautiful woman ever, right now it's worthless. The only thing that we could talk about, sorry, Menu, is Isha Yeras Hashem. He says, How? Let's talk about her Yerushamayim. When I was younger, I once wanted to say that that's the shot why there's a chaf ze'ira, a small chaf, in the word v'levkaisa. Avraham Avinu came to give a hesped for Sarah v'levkaisa and to cry over her. And there's a little chaf, if you look in your chumash, you'll see it's a teeny chaf. And there are many mefarshim that, of course, deal with what exactly the Torah is trying to tell us with this little chaf. But what I was thinking is that it sort of relates to what Rashi says that we quoted at the beginning of the Shmuz today, that when it says the Esrim Shana, it's saying that when she was 20 years old, she was as beautiful as she was when she was 7. So the number of Chaf, the number 20, speaks to Sari Menu's Yaifi. But when it came to the Hesed, when it came to crying, the Chaf becomes shrunken. The Chaf becomes a very small part of a person's life. Even though in the lifetime, the chaf was great, the chaf was it's beautiful, she's a beautiful woman. After you die, with Kaisa, people are not crying necessarily over the fact that she was beautiful. They're crying over the fact that Tzadikis was lost, all of her mice and taivim, all of her great accomplishments were, what are we going to do without Sari Mena? The fact that she was beautiful, while that plays a role in who she was, but it's a very small role. It shrinks compared to everything else in her life. That's one Mahalach that I would like to suggest. And another Mahalach is, of course, the words of the Grah. The Grah says famously on this Pasuk of, of Sheker Achein Mevla Yaifi, he asks, what does that mean, Sheker Achein Mevla Yaifi? I mean, the Torah speaks about Yaisa Vatzadik. One thing, whenever you think of Yaisa Vatzadik, the first thing that comes to mind is that Yaisif was tremendously handsome. The Pasuk says, Yosef is ifastayr v'ifastmara. Rachel imeni ifastayr v'ifastmara. Sarah, hine noyadati ki isha ifastmara ot. And throughout many, many personalities in Tanakh, we find that the Torah or Chazal describe their great Yosef. And so how does Shleim HaMelech or Avraham Avinu, whoever wrote Eshes Chayel, 
How do they come and say that Sheker Achein Nevo Ayyfi and that the only thing that matters is Yer Shemaim when the Torah itself praises Yayfi as an attribute? That's what the Gra asks. And the Gra says a beautiful chat. He says like this It doesn't mean that Sheker Achein Nevo Ayyfi that it's really nothing, it is something. Beauty is something. Chain is something. Person wants to have chain. Who doesn't want to have charm, charisma? <coughs> Who doesn't want to be like a person that people flock to? Who doesn't want to be a popular person? Who doesn't want to be handsome and beautiful and presentable? Everybody wants that, and there is value to it. But the pasuk is saying, "Isha yiras Hashem, peace is which means according to the Gra, that if you have just chen, and you just have yaifi, you're just a popular type of person, or you're a very good-looking person, you're a beautiful person, but if you have no Yerushamayim, then it's nothing. It's mamish nothing. So many times, you know, you know people, or maybe you don't know people, but you, you, know, you know of people, and they're the world's most beautiful people. I guarantee you, if you'd sit down with them for one minute or less, you would like, just like run away. There's no beauty there, there's no attraction, it's just a fantasy. But there's no Yerushalayim, there's no Chachma, there's no, it's just, just emptiness. Beauty without any Yerushalayim, says Mishlei, is nothing. It's nothing. It's even less than nothing. It's ugly. If you have beauty and you have Chaim, but it's nothing, it's just false. It's just something, you know, that, you know, the person was somewhat endowed with a certain charm and a certain beauty. But when you speak to them, there's no Yerushalayim. It's just all like flirtation and it's just emptiness and, and, and proskite. Then that's not beauty. That's not praiseworthy. That's an ugly individual. What's so great about it? But when a person is a Isha Yeras Hashem, if a woman has Yerushamayim, he Tishawal. Who's he? He is the woman who is who has heaven, who has Sheka, who has Chain and who has Yaifi. Somebody that has Chain and Yaifi and has Yerushamayim, that's unbelievable. That's Mamashamaila. If you could find a woman who is a Yarishamayim and she also has Beauty and she has chain, that's praiseworthy, says Shlema Mela. But without the Yerushamayim, then it's nothing. That's what it means. It's Sheker and it's Hevel without the Yerushamayim. It's just an empty, an, an empty, you know, uh, when, when I was a Bachar and we were dating, meaning my, me and my friends, um, so. You know, sometimes a guy would, you know, come back to the dorm after a date, and you know, inevitably, you know, we would ask, you know, how did it go? And so there was a certain slang, in, at least in 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 that circle that I was in, I guess. Um, again, I never should go out of script, and I'm doing it again. But um, so when a girl went out, when a, when a guy went out with a girl, and she was, you know, a very pretty girl, and the Shadchanim say a very pretty girl. But, you know, but she had no teichen to her. So he'd say, the, the code word for that type of date was, nice house, nobody home. 
It's a nice house. It's a nice, beautiful house. Nobody was home. There's nothing there. There's no taifen. It's sheker. And it's, it's, it's hevel. If there's no Yerushalayim, if nobody's home, if there's no Yerushalayim, so what's the word? It's garnish. That's yaifi. That's yaifi. Just because a person happened, the Rebbe Shalom gave them, or, or him or her, uh, you know, a certain external beauty, that's not beauty. Beauty is defined by a person who is able to have Kedusha within, and that Kedusha shines forth and radiates from their face. This is what Rabbi Rucham Lubavitch, by the way, says in the Das Taira on this week's parasha. He says about Sari Menu having this, this beauty when she was 20, like when she was 7. He says it has to be this way. Because if the Rabbi gave a person perfection in Ruchnias, generally speaking, he says, that should reflect, that should be reflected in the Gashmias of the person. And if the person internally is beautiful and has Yerushalayim, then that should be reflected by the Eivarim, that their Eivarim should be Shleiman, that they should look a certain, with a certain beauty. That doesn't mean a Hollywood beauty. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a beauty that sometimes a person has when there's Yerushalayim, and you see a certain radiance emanating from their face, a certain Kedusha, a certain Tara. That's the beauty that the Torah is talking about. Sari Meno was a woman of intense beauty, but not because, you know, she was beautiful. She was beautiful because she had this Yerushalayim that was from within. She had a certain sneers, a certain nobility about her, and that reflected externally to the degree that not only Yidin saw that, but even Gayim saw that. Gayim were like, you know, everybody was looking at her, at her beauty, but at the Kedusha Sheba. That was what made Sarah attractive to everybody. And that's probably what made Esther, Hamalka, attractive to everybody. There was a certain specialty to her. Even if she was Yerachroikas, it wasn't about the physical beauty, it was about the internal beauty the chutzal chesed that was mashachalah, this chain, this chesed that sometimes people have that even though naturally they're not, you know, so beautiful in terms of what the person on the street might consider to be beautiful. But when a person has a kedusha inside, a ruchim says that that's reflected on an external level as well. Just a muscle of what the bra means, I think, in terms of if a person has Yerushalayim, then that person is indeed beautiful. And if a person doesn't have Yerushalayim, then that person is, is ugly, even though they might physically look good. You know, when Rebbe Hanan came to Germany, I believe the year was 1933, he was invited to speak in a famous yeshiva in Berlin. The yeshiva was called the Hildesheimer Rabbiner Seminar in Berlin. It was a rabbinical seminary that gave smicha. I always like to believe, at least, that it was a little bit like a lander college for men. It had, it had a smicha program. It had a very starker-based medrash. It had, you know, a great mashkiach. 
I'm joking. I don't know who the Mashiach was, but there were, there were great Rosh Yeshivas there for sure. The three day Aish was Rosh Yeshiva there, and, and, and others. Gedele Eilam. And they also had allowed the boys to go to college. Akitzer, Rebbe Chanan came to this yeshiva and he was asked to give a shmuz. And he said the following thing. And the boys didn't like it, by the way. We'll get to that at the end. But this is the shmuz Rebbe Chanan gave to the boys in, in this yeshiva in Berlin. He said that it says when, when, when Abraham Avinu went down in last week's parsha to Gerar, and Abimelech was very attracted to Sarah, and he took her. And terrible things started happening to Abimelech until finally he gave her back to Abraham Avinu because the Rabbi Yishlam came to him in a chalayim and said that you took a, you took a wife, she's, a, she's the wife of Abraham Avinu. And he said innocently, and he's probably right, he says, but she, he, Abraham Avinu didn't tell me that she was his wife. She said that he was... He said that she was her, his sister. So what did I do wrong? Akitsa, so he, but he gave back Saron. He says, and Abraham Avinu responds to this time. He says, you know why I said that she was my sister? Because rap ain yiras elikim b'amakayim hazeh v'aragunya al-devar ishti. There is only but no yirashamayim in this town and so I was afraid that you would kill me as a result of my wife. You'd want to kill me in order to get to her. It's such a funny Russian to say, in. that's not correct grammar. You don't start a sentence by saying, only but. So what does it mean, in? So I think Rebbe Khan is quoting a Malbim here. And he says that, the pshat in this pasuk is that really Gerar was an extraordinary place to live. Gerar was not a backwater town that didn't have anything. Gerar was like the, you know, the commercial capital maybe of the world, and it was the entertainment capital of the world, and it was the scientific capital of the world, the mathematical, the musical, everything was in Gerar. Gerar was amazing. It was an amazing place to be. It has everything that you could possibly want. It had a Broadway, and it had movies, and it had concerts, and operas, and, and scientists, and poets, philosophers, whatever you want, Gerar had it. Rock ain't here, there's only one thing that you're lacking here in Gerar, says Avram Avinu. You have everything but there's one thing that's missing. It's a beautiful place, Gerar, don't get me wrong. Rock there's one thing that's missing and that there's no Yerushalayim in the city and when there's no Yerushalayim then anything is possible there's no such thing as a conscience there's no such thing as guilt there's no such thing as morals there's no such thing as values there's no right, there's no wrong you could even kill a person because you want to take their wife who's going to stop you? is there a bible? is there a shulchan aruch? Is there a set of codes that you're supposed to follow? Nothing. Because if there's no Yerushalayim, if there's no belief in God, then anything is possible. I could do anything that I want without any consequence. There's no God. Imagine a world without Khalilah v'chas. If a person is an atheist, the person believes there's no God. Afro Lepume. 
There's no conscience. I could do anything. I could kill a person. Who's stopping me? And so Avram Avinu is saying to Gerar, to Avimelech, the Melech Gerar, it's a beautiful place. But if there's no Yerushalayim, then it's worthless. Because with all the beauty, there's ugliness here without Yerushalayim. Rebbe Hanan meant, and he continued, he says, based on this Malbim, he says, Berlin is a similar place. Germany is a very similar place to Gerar. Germany is the cultural capital of the universe. Germany had all the greatest musicians and all the philosophers and all the scientists, all of the advances in technology. Everything was founded in Germany. The greatest art, history, whatever you wanted, you were able to find it in Germany, in Berlin. Berlin was the, the capital. But there's one thing that's missing, he told the Talmudim in Berlin. There's just one thing missing in Germany, in Berlin. You have everything. There's just no Yerushalayim in this place. Not in the yeshiva, but in the, in the whole culture of Germany. They didn't believe in God. And if you don't believe in God, even murder is possible. And you have to be very wary when you're living in a place like this, when there's no Yerushalayim. Be very careful, because with all the culture... And with all the sophistication, with all the proper etiquette and doing everything right and putting the right, the knife on the right side of the plate and the fork on the left side, all of that is baloney because they could kill you. And they got upset with Rebbe Khan for saying this. You know, you come, you give a shmooz, people, you know, give a nice shmooz about the milos that we have here. What are you telling us our chesrainas for? And, and we know it. And sure enough, it was prophetic, it was Mamish Divrei Nevius, that a few years later, of course, the great Germany, with all of the great civilization, the Western civilization that we have to study about, all coming from the Europeans, from the Western Europeans, and the whole thing collapsed like a house of cards, and it showed that it was ugly. The beauty of Germany, of Schwab writes, in a famous essay, actually it wasn't an essay it was a speech and I happened to have been at that speech it was on the 50th anniversary of Kristallnacht Kristallnacht was the night of broken glass it was the night that the Germans started burning down all the major big beautiful shuls throughout Germany and on the 50th anniversary of that night in Washington Heights and Breuer's Rav Schwab gave a schmooze and my father took me, I was a young boy, my father took me to that shmuz. And I remember because my father kept on repeating some of the, the quotes from that speech, and I remembered it, and now they published it. And I, in fact, I printed it in great Jewish speeches. Rebbe Schwab says, what does it mean, Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass? It's such a funny name to give a night. Whoever, call, whoever coined the phrase Kristallnacht it's such a funny thing, like, because of, why? Because there was some broken glass, because they shattered some store windows and some, you know, they never they had to sweep up some glass the next morning, and you see pictures of, like, the broken glass windows of the Jewish-owned stores, and you see the shuls with the stained glass windows, so they had glass. Is that the biggest problem that happened that night, the glass? Sifrei Taira were burned, and shuls were destroyed, sparim in the thousands, Never to be seen again. Gone. People were killed. 
people were shot and murdered that night as they were running in to try to save Sifrei Taira. And the biggest problem is that there was some broken glass or Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass. And Rav Schwab, I'm not going to go into the whole schmooze, but basically what he said was that there's a depth to this name of Kristallnacht. And that is that when up until this point, Crystal is, is like a, it's like a glass that looks like it resembles crystal. Crystal resembles like a very hush of a stone. And that's what European civilization was like to the Jews. It, like, it shined, it glittered, it was glamorous to us. It looked like amazing. The music and the poetry and the art were so mesmerizing. But that night, that night, of Kristallnacht, that crystal shattered into smithereens. There was nothing left of that illusion of what shined and what sparkled. We saw the ugliness that really Germany was. We saw what civilization was. It wasn't civilized at all. It was barbaric. And I think that's sort of what the Grah means when he speaks about an Isha. That's beautiful, but if it's without Yerushalayim, if a woman doesn't have Yerushalayim, she could be the most beautiful person in the world physically, but it's empty and it's void and it's hollow of any depth. It's only when a person has Yerushalayim is the beauty really beauty. Agav, it's just very important for us to know this because many of us in the room are dating, or you will be dating soon. And sometimes, you know, you go out with, the, with girls... And many times when you're going out and, you know, there's a girl that's attractive and you, you know, right away that's something that puts a, you know, that may, that's a Mila. It's a Mila and that's, you know, and, and it could be potentially a Mila. It's important to be attractive to your wife, that's for sure. But sometimes we invest so heavily in that we're looking for this girl that's supposed to look like this. This is my look and this is what I want and I'm not settling for anything. And you go out with that girl and then even if she had, she's lacking the Yerushalayim, but we're willing to overlook that because she has that yaifi. And that's a very dangerous thing because if you don't have Yerushalayim, then you'll find out soon enough how all of that chayim was Sheker. And all of that Yaifi was all Hevel. It's worthless. Girl gets older, the looks don't last. The only thing that remains is is she a nice person? Is she a good person? Does she have Yerushalayim? Does she daven really? And does she bench really? Not on the date, but after you get married. I once had a friend, he said that he went out with a girl and he was like, he was a very firm boy. And he said, this girl, I have to marry her. Came back from one of the dates, and he said, I'm marrying this girl. I said, okay, great, why? He says, you have to see, she, first of all, when she benches, she benches like, it's like a 15-minute benching. And when she davens, like she stops in the middle of the day, oh, sorry, I have to daven mincha. Do you mind? No, no, no. You know, she davens like a half an hour, she might ask her. And then, like, and then we're going after Shkia, and then, do you mind if I daven Mayrev now? He's like, wow, that's unbelievable. I'm mamish marrying Rosh Hashiva. <laughs> and so he got married to her. And then I, you know, bump into him like a couple of years later. I say, how's the Rosh Hashiva doing? So he says, I have to tell you something. He says, oh, Shekhar the Chazov. 
Since I got married, never do I see her davening, not a mincha, not a mayav, not a benchin, garnished. person has to be very careful. person has to be very careful with everything. When you're dating, it's a very scary thing. There is an importance that we place sometimes on the wrong things, and we have to understand that it's too major a decision to be mesmerized by Yaiti and Chain, which is all Sheker and it's Hevo, unless there's real Yerushalayim. It's really vacuous. It's void. It's ugly. <coughs> and when Avram Avinu was saying, by the Hesped of Sari Imenu, was Sheker Achein Mevo Yaiti, as much as the world spoke about the beauty that my wife possessed, that beauty was not an external beauty. It was a beauty that came from her Yerushalayim. Her beauty was not Sheker. And it wasn't Hevel. It was real. It was Hitzhalo. The ultimate hilo of Sari Menu through her beauty was the fact that it was the Yerushalayim Shabbai that shined through. That's what made her beautiful. It wasn't what the Velt thinks is beautiful. It's what the Rabbanisham thinks is beautiful. It's what Sadiqim think is beautiful. Ramesha Feinstein in the Darash Mesha writes, in the second chayel of the Darash Mesha, he says that the Maila of Sari Menu, that we were being Meshabeach now at her death, in her beauty, was the fact that she was not ever Maharer to use her beauty for things that were inappropriate. You can imagine if a person is as beautiful as Sari Menu and the whole world is like, talking about how beautiful she is, something to go through her mind. There are kings of major, major populations, the biggest kings in the world, Aray and Abimelech. They were hijacking, they were kidnapping her to take her. You can imagine for a second, maybe, it goes through Sari Mena's mind. No, maybe it's Taka, you know, I, sh- I, could, I could exploit my beauty. But she never, ever for a second considered anything but serving the Rabbi Yishlam with her beauty. And that is the Maila, says Ramesha, of the beauty of Sari Menu. That she never was Maharer with all of the kings that wanted her. She never used it for a second to any advantage. She just wanted to be a Tznuah. That's the Maila of Sari Menu. That's the Yaifi. That's the Isha Yiras Hashem. He says, Hello. I saw there's a Maisa about the daughter of the Chassam Seifer. The daughter of the Chassam Seifer, he had a daughter by the name of Gittel. And Gittel, it says, was an extraordinarily beautiful young lady. And she was very tsanua. She never went out of the house. She tried to stay in as much as possible because she knew that she was beautiful and she didn't want anyone to be nichshol because of her. One day... The Chassam Sefer comes home and he finds his daughter crying with a tailum in her hand. And he says, Gito, what's wrong? What happened? So she said, Tati, today I had to go to the grocery store to get something. And there was like a, a teenage boy who was staring at me and he was following me. He was looking at me. And I realized that because of my looks, people are being nichshol. And so I'm davening to the Rebbein Shalom that he should take away my looks. I don't want my beauty anymore. If it's going to cause even one person to be nichshol, I don't want beauty. And I'm willing to give it all up 
just so as not to be a, a, nichshol, a, a nichshol for people. So Chassam Seifer says, I respect what you're saying, and I'll daven for that as well. I'm maskim. And in this chus, he says, that you will lose your beauty, you will lose the R of your panim. I'm going to give you a bracha that you should have a son someday who is going to be mayor of the entire world of Tyra. He's going to illuminate the entire Jewish world. And the Chassam Sefer also diamond with her. Shortly thereafter, she had a sickness which she recovered from, but in the process of having this sickness, she lost the beauty of her face. She became shvach and she became... It depleted her beauty. And sure enough, she eventually married a tremendous guy in learning. His name was Rav Shleimah Zalman Spitzer. And they gave birth to a son who is Rav Akiva Karnitzer. Whoever knows, he's, he's known as the Krakova Rav. He was the Rav of Krakow. He's In fact, he's a very close friend of mine's grandfather, great-grandfather. And there are pictures of a tremendous Hadraspanim, a very powerful leader, a tremendous Eloy, a Gain, the Rav of the city, of the major city of Krakow. And this was the child that was born as a result of the Messiris Nefesh that the daughter of the Chassam Seifer had. Most people, if they have beauty, they use it. They exploit it. They take advantage. They use it as a, as a tool, as an instrument to get leverage in life. Sorry, Menu didn't. Sorry, Menu Fakert. She ran away from it. She wanted nothing to do with the physical beauty. It was a, if it was a mikshul for people, she was the most theistical woman ever. Hine Ba'ayal, that was her motto. She was always away from the limelight. She didn't want to be seen by anybody. For those of you that are familiar with the history of the Jews of Morocco at all, there is a famous legendary woman, young girl, by the name of Sulika. Sulika is buried in Fez in Morocco, and she's buried next to two Gedalim, Rabbi Yehuda ben Atar, and Rebeliyohat Sarfati, two major Gainim who lived in the 1700s. And she is buried right next to them. And people say that when you go to their cavern, you can still go today, when you go to their cavern, to these Gedalim, these Tzadikim, whatever you need, tremendous Maisim take place. And so many people make this pilgrimage to Fez and Morocco, to Davin, to Mushtateach, and the Kvarim of these two Tzadikim, and this one girl, Tzidkaniyas, by the name of Sulika. Who was this girl, Sulika, that was zaychet to be buried next to Tzadikim of this great caliber? And the story goes as follows. This was a young girl from a prominent family who grew up in the city of Tangier in Morocco. The family name was Chayaval. Might be mispronouncing that, but that's sort of the way it is. Chayaval. And she was an extraordinarily beautiful girl. To the degree that her father told her, do not leave the house. Because 
the less you leave the house, the less trouble we're going to have. I know that if you leave the house and Goyim see you, the Muslims around us see you, it's going to all be over. It's going to be very big trouble for us. And so she tried also to stay indoors, but one time she happened to go outside, and there was a next-door neighbor who was Muslim and very powerful family, and the boy saw this girl, Sulika, and he said, I must marry her. There's no question in my mind, I cannot marry anybody but this girl. And so the, he told this to his father, and the father was a very powerful person in the, in the whole country. And he goes and knocks on the door of Sulika's house, and he speaks to the father, and he says, you have a daughter, and I have a son, and my son wants to marry no other girl but your daughter. There's one problem. Your daughter is Jewish, and my son is a Muslim, but we could take care of that problem because your daughter is going to convert to Islam, and then it's okay for my son to marry her, and everything will be okay. But if you don't have your daughter convert, your family will be plagued by nothing but problems and more problems. That was the threat. And the family of Sulika started getting into crisis mode. What are we going to do? Obviously, that's not an option. She cannot ever convert. And our family is going to be in trouble, maybe the whole community. So they put Salika, they sent her away to some place. They put her in hiding. And when she didn't show up to, you know, for the vart of this Muslim neighbor, they sent the police into her house to storm the house. They couldn't find her, and they said, where is she? We don't know. She ran away. She's not here. We have no idea where she is. She says, very well, no problem. We'll take her mother. Her mother was taken, put into jail, and until Salika surrenders herself to the authorities, the mother is, in, is incarcerated. Salika found out that her mother was in jail, so she turned herself over to the authorities, and immediately the libel began and they said about Salika that really she converted to Islam. But then she changed her mind and she wanted to be Jewish again. And that can't be. If a person converts to Islam, they have to stay that way for life. And the biggest crime is if, you're a, if, you're, if you convert and then you go back to Judaism, that's punishable by death. Salika is Chayav Misa, we're going we're gonna to kill her. And they tried her, and they found that she was gone. She Shum and she would not convert. They begged her, please just convert. Like the, you know, the, the whoever could try to talk to them, don't, don't die. It's not worth it. Just marry the guy. No, I'm a Jew. I'm a proud Jew. I have a Muna Shlem. There's a Rebbeinu Shlem in the world. I am going to die a Jew. I am not going to at all give in in any which way. Then she was sent from there for her execution to. The, the seat of power in Morocco, which was in the city of Fez. And Salika, again, she stood trial there one last time, and they said, you sure you don't want to convert? But what happened was that when she was standing trial in the city of Fez, the prince, the crown prince of Morocco, 
he was a single prince and he, he was looking for a wife. He sees this beautiful girl, Salika, and he wants to marry her. And he goes to her and he says, if you marry me, you will be the queen of Morocco. You will be the richest woman in the world, the most powerful, the most respected. You will have everything you want. Just convert. You're going to die. Why are you going to die? For what? Just marry me. I'll save you. I'll protect you. She says, absolutely not. I don't care what. I'm a Jewess and I'm going to die a Jew. I'm not going to give in. It's no, it's no question in my mind. The king of Morocco tells the chief rabbi of Fez, go and have a word with her. Convince her to be, uh, to be a Muslim. And he goes in and he says, my dear daughter, like, you know, you sure you want to do this? She says, yes, you know, he says, you might be putting the entire Jewish community of Fez and of perhaps the whole Morocco into trouble if you don't convert. She says, I don't believe that I should be going against the Revayashom, against Tyra and Mitzvahs, even if it's going to help others. I feel that I shouldn't be doing that. And the rabbi said to her, but what about Esther? Esther Amalco was somebody who married a guy. She married Achashverosh and she saved Klai Yisrael and she's considered to be a heroine. And Salika said, I thought about that as well. But there's a difference between me and Esther. Because Esther, nobody knew that she was Jewish. Esther, ain't Esther Magedis Bailaratov as Amma, she didn't tell anybody that she was Jewish. So when she went and she married Achashverosh, it wasn't a Chil Hashem. People thought that she was from a different religion. But everybody knows that I'm Jewish. How would it look if the whole country knows that I'm Jewish, the whole world, and here I am, I'm a public figure now, and I go and convert to Islam, I'm going to die al Hashem, and this is what I believe the Rabbi Yishalom wants from me. And as she was going to the execution, Again, the crown prince comes over to her one last time and says, please just convert. Everything will be amazing. You'll, be, you'll have everything you want. And she pushes him away in disgust. And that made him so angry that he immediately said, kill her now. And she died, Al-Kiddush Hashem. She died with Shema Yisrael on her lips. And she was buried eventually in that kever of tzaddikim right next to these two gedalim. And to this very day, people go and they daven and they cry over the kvarim of these three tzaddikim and especially by the kever of Salika. And many, many Yeshuas are known to happen in, in miraculous ways because of this mice of Mesiris Nefesh. These are examples of what it means to have an Isha Yiras Hashem. He says, Howell. When a person is blessed with beauty and a person is blessed with chayn, they have to realize that it's a gift from the Rabbi Nishlam. It's not a cause to have gaiva over. HaKadosh Baruch Hu bestowed it upon you and you have to use it as an instrument of only good. And it has to be only used with your shamayim. If a person has your shamayim and they're attractive in any which way, with their looks, with their maisim, with their chayn, with their chesed, then that's an unbelievable maila. Many of our leaders, 
Many of the Aves and many of the Gedalim were blessed with tremendous Hadras Panims and Chaim. And they used all of that in order to further Kvayda Yisparach Ba'ilam. That people should see the beauty of Yiddishkeit, that people should see the Chaim of what it is to be a Yid. That's what Sari Menu was when we speak in these parishes about the beauty of Sari Menu. It has to be understood in the context of not just mere physical beauty, which standing alone is really worthless, and it's devoid of beauty. It's quite the opposite. Beauty has to be defined by the Ashkafas HaTarah, by how much Yerushalayim a person has. If you have Yerushalayim, then that beauty and that chain is amplified, and it's amazing. But without Yerushalayim, if a person is mahara with their beauty, if a person uses and exploits their beauty and their popularity and their God-given gifts of chain and charisma, then that's not really chain, that's sheker. And it's not really yaiti, it's hevel. And the one remaining thing that always withstands the test of time, beauty doesn't. Physical beauty does not stand. Eventually the person is going to be not attractive. The one thing that remains is the Yerushalayim that a person has. This is what we have to work on. We have to work on ex- increasing, amplifying, heightening our Yerushalayim. And once we're kind of that Yerushalayim and the Tznias of what it means to be a Yid, then all of the other things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us are, to, are His hollow. It's a cause of praise. It will advance the cause of spreading the word of Hashem further and further. And amidst Hashem, these are ideals that we should internalize and hopefully should become real by us.